We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I cover Arizona House Bill 2495. This is an anti-pornography bill, a parents' rights and education bill that's even better than the state of Florida's, and it's sponsored by Representative Jake Huffman. You need to hear this one and you need to support this man. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning, and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you so much for listening into the show. Now, you know, if you've been following me for the last couple days, I have repeatedly gone back to an article that I wrote for The Washington Times. In fact, it was published this past weekend on Sunday. And I argued that they are grooming our children, that this is an irrefutable fact. And who am I referring to when I use the word they? Well, I'm referring to our public schools. And as you know, I went through evidence after evidence after evidence. I shared with you what they're doing in Chicago, what they're doing in New York City. I shared with you what they're doing at the National Education Association Conference. I shared with you even what we're wrestling with here in Northeast Oklahoma, in Bartlesville Public Schools, in terms of the promotion of Toni Morrison's book, The Bluest Eye. I've gone over this over and over again, but one of the items that I mentioned very briefly, and I don't want you to miss this one, is Arizona's Department of Education and their promotion of books that claim that babies as young as three months old, yes, you heard that correctly, three-month-old babies, are, and this is a quote, already harboring sexual biases that demand the state's intervention. Close quote. Arizona's Department of Education is pushing this crap that babies as young as three months old already have sexual biases that demand the state's intervention. Now, ideas have consequences. Ideas always matter. Ideas always bear fruit. Good ideas, good culture, good kids, good community, good neighborhoods, good country, good churches, etc. And bad ideas are going to result in bad culture, bad community, bad kids, bad churches, bad government. It, it's, it's just common sense. It's a one-string banjo that I play over and over again, going back to, you guessed it, Richard Weaver's 1948 seminal work where he titled it, Ideas Have Consequences. And as I've said a thousand times over, you hardly need to read the book. Just read the cover. Ideas are going to have consequences. So when you're teaching this kind of nonsense, okay, this kind of nonsense coming out of the Arizona Department of Education, that three-month-old babies need the state's intervention because they're harboring sexual biases. So you're going to start teaching three-month-old babies and up all of your propaganda, you're going to start pushing all of this pablum, all of the sexual nihilism. You're going to start reprogramming three-month-old babies because you believe that they already have sexual biases? 
If we actually go down this path, we are guilty of child abuse, pure and simple. And in fact, what I'm going to disclose to you today is that when they actually start promoting this stuff, teaching this stuff, pushing this stuff in our public schools, and obviously if the Arizona Department of Education is talking about this and publishing stuff that that promotes books and research papers that claim that these three-month-olds need to be reprogrammed sexually— if they're saying it at the Arizona Department of Education level, you know, the uppity-ups are saying that in the, in, the, in the man's office, if you will. If they're saying it there, then it obviously is trickling down into the curriculum of Arizona public schools. To claim otherwise wouldn't make any sense. But the interesting thing is, as they push this propaganda into the public schools, they're actually violating Arizona's existing law. Because Arizona has anti-pornography laws, and the garbage that they're actually pushing into the public schools, and they're not even willing to give parents consent over that garbage, the garbage they're peddling is in direct violation of their own laws. So what I'm going to do after the break is I'm going to play about a two-minute clip of uh, Arizona Representative Jake Huffman and his uh, sponsoring of House Bill 2495, which would be essentially Arizona's own Parental Rights and Education Act, but it's better than Florida's because he doesn't stop at third grade. He says, why? Why would we stop there? Why wouldn't we have the same laws that are consistent with our anti-pornography laws for the entire educational experience, K through 12? It's a great question. You need to hear his two-minute presentation of his bill, and then I'll dissect it a bit for you as we, uh, as we review what he says. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. By the way, before I play this uh, audio clip of Representative House Representative Jake Huffman of Arizona, uh, let's just do a quick overview of some housekeeping. Uh, if you'd like to buy any of my books, you can do so by going to Amazon.com or any other online bookstore. You can also just access the links to the books directly by going to my website, which is DrEverettPiper.com. That's D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R.com. My two most recent books are Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, and the bestseller that preceded that is Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. I obviously would welcome you doing any of that. If you'd like to know about my current uh, campaign to become county commissioner for District 1 in Osage County, Oklahoma, you can access that from the same website. Just go to the tab in the menu bar that says Osage County, and you can see what I'm doing there to try to get engaged in local government. Local control, local respect, local responsibility. That is the solution to what ails us right now. We need to stop focusing all of our political attention at the top, at the top of the hierarchy. Remember what Oz Guinness said? If you want freedom, vote for the covenant, never vote for the hierarchy. We've been doing it the other way around. Conservatives have been giving all of their attention to the top of the hierarchy rather than focusing at the local solutions, local control, local responsibility. So why am I running for county commissioner? Because of local control, local responsibility, local respect, local people. 
uh, COVID taught us that we need to attend to our own backyard. As George Washington quoted the prophet Micah over and over again, everyone shall sit under his own vine, his own fig tree, and shall not be afraid. And what did Washington mean when he quoted that passage over 50 times? Local control, local respect, local responsibility. It's your vine, it's your fig tree. You shall not be afraid if you take responsibility for it. And that's true in spades when it comes to our public schools. Public schools and other local offices like county commissioner. That's why I'm running, okay? And that's why you should care about local offices like the county commissioner, like the county sheriff, like the county treasurer. These are important positions. And COVID taught us that the local officials matter a great deal because if they have constitutional spine, they can tell those people in Washington, D.C., or perhaps even those in Oklahoma City, in my case, to just go pound sand. You don't have the constitutional authority to tell us what to do under our own vine, under our own fig tree, per se. This is our property, our fence, our home, our community, our restaurant, our church, and and we're not violating the law. You are by trying to tell us what to do on our private property. Likewise in our schools. Okay, so let's shift over to the public schools. We need to take charge of those schools. We're paying for them. We're paying for them. They aren't government schools. They're your schools because it's your money that pays for the superintendent, that pays for the principal, and pays for the teachers. And you, as the parents and the grandparents, need to, t- need to take, excuse me, need to take responsibility for what your kids are being taught. You know, I've been challenged by a liberal on my uh, uh, on some of my writing because I bemoan the the sins, if you will, the failures of the public school system. And he says, "Well, you don't attend to the parents." Well, ninety nine percent of what he says is just him trolling me and trying to find fault with what I say. I mean, I could say the sky is blue, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, and he would he would find fault with that. He would say, you're wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced that he just trolls me to, to, for, for some sort of, <laughs> I don't know, sadistic pleasure. I don't know. But this guy uh, brings up parents all the time, that you're taking responsibility away from the parents when you push these bills. I disagree with him in great measure because he's ignoring the fact that the bills need to be passed because because the school systems are ignoring the parents. They're hiding stuff from you. They're the ones insulting you, not the conservatives. The conservatives want you to have parental consent. They want you to know what's going on in your schools. They want you to see the curriculum. And they want you, quite frankly, to be shocked and appalled by what they're peddling, what they're pushing and promoting, what they're actually putting in your kids' minds, hearts, and souls. Conservatives want parents involved, but my critic has a legitimate point when he brings attention to parental responsibility. I agree. It is your responsibility. If you wash your hands of it and just assume all is well in your local schools, then you're being naive. So what I want to do today is, or excuse me, right now, is play a brief portion. Now bear with this. You need to hear this out. I think it's about two minutes long. So here we go. 
Mr. Chair and members, House Bill 2495 prohibits a public school from referring a student to or using any sexually explicit material in any manner except if the material is classical literature, early American literature, or a book required for a course to obtain college credit, and the public school requires written parental consent on a per-material per basis. The school must also provide students for whom parental consent is not secured with an alternative assignment that does not contain sexually explicit material. The bill defines sexually explicit material, and I'm happy to answer any questions. Members, any questions? Okay, thank you. The sponsor is here. Can you refresh the speaker list? I don't see it. Thank you, Mr. Chair, members, uh, for hearing this bill. Um, there's truly nothing more sacred than the innocence of a child. Since the 1960s, the state of Arizona has taken this responsibility incredibly seriously, <coughs> even going so far as to enshrine protections in our obscenity code uh, to protect children from sexually explicit material. The definition that you see in that bill is pulled from our criminal code that exists today that's been in place since the 60s and hasn't been amended since uh, the early 2000s, since 2001, actually. Unfortunately, when they designed the obscenity code, when they wrote that back in the 60s, I don't think they could have imagined some of the things that are actually occurring in schools today and in our K-12 classrooms. From cartoons featuring male and female organs to books openly featuring explicit sexual acts depicted and illustrated depicted by illustrated teenagers, to literally hundreds of reference materials that are provided to Arizona children, directing them to resources like, and I'm quoting, dry humping saves lives, it's okay to have sex with a lot of people, how to view porn, and other equally as concerning topics. Now, these are shown in some cases to students as young as nine years old. That's fourth grade. Try and imagine where, we, where you were in fourth grade. It certainly wasn't talking about topics like that. Here's a few more examples. Play with yourself. Masturbation is a great way to find out more about your body and what you find sexually stimulating. Don't stop there. Find out how your partner's body works and what makes them feel good and what gives them pleasure. Uh, here's another example. Requiring students to perform in-class skits involving an intimate or sexual relationship. Requiring students to complete a survey on sexual desire that includes questions on erections, vaginal lubrication, and sexual fantasies. I was actually, in, prep, in preparing for my house testament, I was reviewing uh, some of the materials that are referenced and, and put in front of, of Arizona children. And one set of materials that I attempted to review um, actually required three separate YouTube warnings uh, in order for me to view it on my computer. So logged in uh, to my Gmail account as an adult, it required three separate warnings. The first read, this video is age-restricted and only available uh, on YouTube. So that was because it was a third-party site that was redirecting me to YouTube. So then the second one, I'm now on YouTube, and it says, sign in to confirm your age. And then after I signed in again, uh, it now said, this video may be inappropriate for some users. It took three separate safety measures. Now, we like to do evidence-based bills here in the legislature, especially when it comes to education and things like that. So the University of North Carolina School of Medicine maintains that, quote, imagery definitely affects children. They argue that 
Children and youth are more vulnerable to sexually explicit material than adults because of what are called mirror neurons in the brain, which convince people they are actually experiencing what they see. So here's another uh, example for you. Sexually explicit material exposure during early adolescence has been found to be associated with risky sexual behavior and intimacy disorders. That's from the National Institute of Health. Okay, let's let's just take a break from this testimony right there. I want you to I want you to hear what he just said. First of all, he says that the criminal code of Arizona since uh, 1960s has made it illegal to do what your schools are doing. That's what he just basically said. Because he's reviewing material right now that's being used in the public schools that is in violation of the state of Arizona's own criminal code. They have illustrations, and he's going to go over this. If I've got time in the rest of the show, I may play a little bit more of what he's saying. But he's on the verge of actually holding up some actual pictures, illustrations that are in these books that are being assigned to the parents' kids of Arizona, these children, these school children of Arizona, as young as nine years of age, are being assigned these books that cover topics such as it's okay to have sex with a lot of people or dry humping saves lives and various different techniques of masturbation. He's holding up illustrations right now of what your kids are seeing. I'm not talking about just what they're reading. I'm talking about the images that they're putting in their minds. When they're nine years old, nine years of age, Dry humping saves lives. It's okay to have sex with a lot of people. And then various techniques of self-gratification. Uh, He's not talking about what if. What if we teach? What's going to happen if we teach this stuff to our kids? He's talking about what is happening because we're already teaching this to our kids. And he, he's also saying that when he tried to access this material, he had to go through three different file, firewall checks to get to it himself. He also has checked with his own ethics department within the legislature of Arizona to make sure he's not in violation of breaking Arizona law, anti-pornography law, etc., by bringing this material forward. Now, why in the world would we want our own children to see this garbage if it's that difficult for us to get to it ourselves? And why do we want to just limit these laws, these parental rights and education laws, to kindergartner through third grade? What about fourth grade, fifth grade? What about sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, and eleventh and twelfth grade? Why would we want any of our kids to have their minds corrupted by this? And yes, indeed, I am talking about the scientific evidence of our minds being corrupted by these images. You heard what he said in terms of the research that North Carolina, University of North Carolina has out there, that images do affect us. And we know this. We know this. This is irrefutable. We know that images affect the way we think and that certain images, when we get them into our heads, are very difficult to get out. Why do you think They use the images they do in the marketing campaigns and the advertising on TV because they know images work. They know that once we get them in our minds, that they affect our desires, our purchasing habits, 
they affect our behaviors. People can sell more products if they get certain images in our heads, and that's why they use so much of this garbage in their marketing strategies. I mean, anybody who would deny that is just living under a rock. So we know that what the University of North Carolina is saying about the power of images to actually affect the chemical structure of our brains, the, the neurotransmitters in our brains, and the University of North Carolina is saying that these images are even more powerful in children than they are in adults. So why would anybody want to wash their hands of this and just ignore the fact that when you put these illustrations of teenagers actually engaging in intercourse, he's holding up pictures of that stuff. That's what he's, that's what he's doing in this house testimony uh, in Arizona. As he set the stage with his, his dialogue that you just heard, actually monologue that you just heard, he then, he then segues into actually holding up the images that are in the books they're images of oral sex, they're in images of intercourse, they're images of all sorts of sexual acts that the education system of Arizona is pushing on nine-year-olds and up. Nine-year-olds and up. And I would argue there's probably evidence that they're doing it at even younger ages. This is important. And you can't assume that this is Arizona's problem. You can't assume that this only happens in somebody else's schools, not yours. The National Education Association, I've covered this. This is the, this is the organization. This is the union. This is the, the big group that represents public education, public school teachers. They're the ones that are pushing this. I quoted for you in the previous uh, programs, yesterday's and probably the day before when I've been covering this story, a quote from the National Education Association in their last General Assembly, which is their big annual conference where all of these teacher teachers and administrators, principals, superintendents, and whatnot come together to talk about how they're going to educate their kids. And one of their resolutions was this, we resolve to develop a study to critique i.e. criticize, cis-heteropatriarchy, close quote. In other words, they want to find out ways to tell your kids that the nuclear family is bad, that cis-heteropatriarchy, strong families led by a responsible, strong father, heteropatriarchy, where it's mom and dad raising their two kids and a dad acting like a dad and being a good father, all of this is wrong, and they're going to teach your kids accordingly. That's what they just said. Oh, they're using their educational mumbo-jumbo to obfuscate and, and to get you off the path, and they'll deny that that's what their intent is. But that's what they're talking about when they say critique cis-heteropatriarchy. What are you critiquing? Are you, are you elevating it and extolling it and saying it's a good thing? Heteropatriarchy is a good thing? Well, obviously not. That's not what they're doing. And by the way, why do you ha have to call it cis-heteropatriarchy? Why don't you just call it a good family? Mom and a dad, married, committed to one another for life, raising their children and sacrificing accordingly. Why don't you call it that? Why don't you share the data that indicates that when children are raised by the traditional nuclear family, they actually thrive and do well. Why don't you share that data? Why don't you share the data that when boys have a father that's at home and committed to the family, committed to mom, 
committed to being a good dad and modeling good masculine behavior in front of their young boys, that it actually ends well, it doesn't end poorly? Why don't you share that data? No, what they do is they actually resolve to develop a study to criticize cis-heteropatriarchy, as if that's all, that's what ails us. Uh, cis-heteropatriarchy, the nuclear family, strong dads, strong dads. That's all that, you know, that's what ails us. If we could just get rid of that, we'd be living in a utopia, right? These people, these people are butchering the minds and hearts and souls of your kids. That's what they're doing in your local schools. Arizona's Representative Jake Huffman is shining a light on this problem. He's, he's telling you that children as young as fourth grade, nine years of age, are being forced to participate in lesson plans that include illustrated depictions of teenagers engaged in masturbation and intercourse. He's holding up pictures to prove that. And in fact, he says this, to use those images in this committee hearing, he had to get special permission from Arizona's Department of Public Safety just to make sure that he wasn't in violation of Arizona's own criminal code. He, he's telling you how many firewalls he hit trying to access the material, but yet your teachers are peddling this on your kids. Now he cites Bonhoeffer, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. And he says this, parents and elected officials must lock arms and act to protect our children from this threat that is arguably the most existential threat of them all. And if we remain passive, he says, we will not merely be losing our country. We'll be allowing our schools to destroy our own children. He's spot on. He's spot on. And he needs to be supported. Why would anybody argue differently? Why would anybody have problems? Oh, they'll say they're it's this book banning. It's book. It's not book banning. There's a clause in the bill that says if you want to teach something from classical literature that may cross over these lines of sexually explicit material, if you want to teach something in American literature or classic literature, then all you need to do is get parental consent. All you need to do is notify the parents what you're going to teach. Show them what you want to teach their kids, whether it be illustrations or whether it be text. Show them. Tell them what you're going to teach. Get parental consent and then proceed. Bless you. Why would anybody object to this? They don't want you involved. They don't want your consent because they know when you see this garbage that all hell's going to break loose. And you're going to say, what? What in the world are you thinking? I don't want those images in my head, let alone in my son's head or my daughter's head. Why in the world would you ever suggest that that is appropriate educational material? Topics like dry humping saves lives? And it's okay to have sex with a lot of people? With graphic illustrations accompanying these Ridiculous arguments and ridiculous publications. So today's message is standing ovation for Representative Jake Huffman of Arizona. Good for you. Good for you. We all support you. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.